be fought from a position of victory, Lord God. We'll continue to be one because we have the promised word of God inside of us in the name of Jesus. And God, that you would have your way, Lord. I pray, God, that your word will be spoken tonight, God, and that it will be applied by each and every one of us, starting with the pastor on down, God. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody says, amen and amen. Let's give it up for Jesus Christ. <laughs> Praise God. So as you guys see on this awesome slide uh, created by one of our leaders, that the war is within us, right? This is our sermon series. We will probably be in this series for quite some time throughout this year. We will blow past summer and go right into the winter, and we will probably still be in this sermon series because we are going in the book of James. As you guys can see the little words down there, a study of the book of James. Can you guys see that? Right? You all got glasses and still can't see. Some, let's go back and get those prescriptions. My bad, my bad. Can you, can you guys see it now? Right? So look, it's a study of the book of James. And the thing is, we just came from a study of 1 John, right? And so 1 John, we kind of did like chapters and like whole sections and stuff. But I believe it was just a lot being preached at that time. And so a lot of us would like get like one thing out of like 15 things that were like taught. Right? How many guys know what I'm talking about? So in the end, I'm like, I'm asking you guys, hey, dude, what did you learn? You're like, oh, ooh, Jesus. It was like, so you learned Jesus? Yes. Just Jesus. And it's like, man, like we learned a lot about Jesus, and all you learned was Jesus. That's it. Like, so in this one, we really want to take our time because it's, it's a serious thing. How many know that the war within us is a serious thing, right? This week, how many people had a war inside their brain today, or this week, right? Probably even today, right? Today was like, man, it's going down. I'm smacking somebody. They don't want to turn in my grades. I keep looking up my grades, and they don't want to upgrade my grades and put my grade in. How many people experienced that today? Right? The struggle was real, right? So the thing is, the war within us is a very serious topic, and we don't want to just run over it. We don't want to just, like, hurdle, like, and just start hurdling these things. We want to be able to take our time, and we want to walk with Jesus to understand what is going on in this war, and how can I win this war? Right? How many people want to win the war inside of us? Right? Win the war over the enemy, win the war over ourselves. And so that's what we're going to be talking about, and we're trying to do verse by verse, or at least a few verses at a time, so that we can be able to get what God wants to get and apply it to our life. All right? That is the ultimate goal of this, and it's going to, we're going to take our time with it. But God is still good, man, and we're going to learn. Anybody want to learn today? Any learners out there? Right? Amen. Praise the Lord, man. So today, as you guys can see, the sermon title is Humility versus Humiliation, the War Within Us. And so last week, just to give a quick recap about that, we spoke about double-mindedness and how the war within us comes by the trials. And the, the, the definition of trials is to test in order to see the quality of someone or something. So a trial is going through testing or to prove that you are who you say you are or to bring up the things that you lack in your life so that you can work on them, right? And we learn that in our lives. And so how God calls us to consider these trials with joy because they come to test and prove us to grow in the Lord and profit from these trials that we may become mature and complete in our faith in the Lord. And so that was the ultimate goal. The goal was we go through bad things so that we can go on ahead and be refined as fire like a diamond. How many know what I'm talking about? With gold or a diamond? A diamond comes out real dirty out of that cave, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Some of y'all don't even watch TV. You're like, dude, I don't even watch that. I watched The View, Jerry Springer, and that is it. Like, yes, you got you, you grab the diamond. You know, the, the little mine workers, they're getting out the diamond. Diamond comes out real dirty, 
real black. And you got to put this thing on fire to purify that diamond. But once you do that, the thing begins to glow. It begins to clean. You can see through it. And it becomes a beautiful thing that we, we then one day, as you're a single man to another single woman, you get on your knee and you give it that nice diamond, right? How many ladies like diamonds, right? Diamonds are forever. Y'all ain't ready for this stuff, man, right? So diamonds are beautiful, but before you find, you know, before they get beautiful, they're real messy, they're real dirty. And so you have to be refined. And so with the, with the life of a believer and a born-again child of God, you have to go through what they call trials, tests. And the, the test, reality speaking, can be painful. You see, you may go through a heartbreak and think, man, did God do this? Right? Or you may be blaming the devil, but all along it was like God allowed it to happen so we can learn and grow in him. And so just as a diamond has to be refined, we have to be refined. So God created the trials and the tests for us to prove us so that we can grow and become mature and complete in God Almighty. How many people want to grow and become mature Christians? Right? Complete in God. You're tired of waving and going back and forth every day. You don't know if you're going to heaven or hell anymore because you just, you're just all jacked up. God, didn't, God did not plan, to, when he saved us, to keep us busted and disgusted or all jacked up. He, he loves us so much that he saves us, but not to leave us in our mess, but to take us and to refine us so that we can be diamonds here on earth. Amen? And so that is the ultimate goal when it comes down to the troubles in our life. But then the war kicks off and happens that begins to try to get us to wave and become double-minded in all our ways. So instead of being like, man, I'm single-minded, meaning I just want to trust God, I want to trust his promises. Instead, the enemy comes and he tempts us in the manner of sin to begin to doubt God. So now then we become double-minded. And so it's like one minute, I believe God, I trust God. Man, he just spoke to me through Isaiah, and it's awesome, man. Thank you, brother Isaiah, man. I received that. But then tomorrow you wake up, and you see this post on Facebook, and it just messes you all up, and now you're back to doubting God. And now you're double-minded. One minute you trust God, the next minute, who is God, right? And so when you move on from there, it says we learn how the war within us begins when we are double-minded in our thinking towards God's truth and what our trials are speaking as we are in them. We are to go to the Lord and ask for wisdom to receive knowledge of the purpose of the trial or trials in our life in order to have God's perspective. Now, perspective is defined as how you view certain or circumstances, situations, right? So if you're viewing them from a wrong perspective, like let's say how the world is, right? Like you're, you're, you have that view like, dude, you say something about me, I'm saying something about your mama. You touch me, I'm smacking your sister. Like, like crazy stuff. Like, what? You know what I mean? But this is how the world is. Like, you do something to me, I'm doing something even worse to you. Like, you talk about my shoes, I'm talking about your teeth. You talk about my teeth, I'm talking about your crooked eyes. And you're like, what? So from a, that's a worldly point of view, right? From a godly point of view is we bless those who curse us, right? We bless our enemies. We give them something to drink, right? We do the opposite, man. You do something to me, bro, I'm going to pray for you, man. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you. Yes, you just you, 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 you mistreated me. I forgive you, and I'm going to pray for you. I'm not, I may not be your friend anymore, but I'm going to forgive you, all right? And I'm going to pray for you. That is, how, that is the perspective of God and the perspective of the world, and we want to be about the perspective of God. So God's perspective and gain the profits through our trials. The trials come for our own profit. How many people like profit? You guys know what I'm talking about when I say profit? 
Some of you guys thinking about a rapper or some prophet or something like that. But like money, like think about money, right? Like you want to make a profit. Like, dude, I'm selling these jelly beans. I'm trying to make a profit. Like I bought this jelly bean for like one penny. Best believe I'm selling it for three pennies. I'm making my profit, right? I got these little Sour Patch Kids. I bought this bag. It was three for a dollar. I'm selling each and every one for two dollars, right? And you want to make a profit, right? Some of you guys are scheming right now and you're buying those little stress things. Where's it at? Anybody got one? Right here. Charles, right? You buying these things from the corner store, right? This is a little decent one and stuff. So, you know, you're like, man, look, if I buy a pack of these suckers, right, let's say they come in a pack of like uh, five for like $3. They're like, dude, I'm coming up. $6, right? Six bucks. So now you go inside the school and you're trolling this thing all over the place. And now they're like, man, dude, let me come up. Like, dude, I got five of these suckers. Dude, can I buy one? Let me buy one. Dude, I'll, you can buy one. How much? Three bucks. You're like, what? Dude, right now, $3. Yeah, but I can go to the store. I am the store. And then you just, bam, you know what I mean? And you sell, you make a profit, right? You're like, dude, I just came up. Whose is this? And so you come up and you start making a profit. So in this sense, we're, we're looking at trials and the bad things that we go through in the world as, man, yes, I'm going through bad things. Like, this is tough. I'm going through some trying times, some real trials in my life. But yet, I consider it joy because I look at these trials knowing I'm going to get a profit. And so the profit is even more, it's even better than, than selling those things and making that kind of monetary profit of money. The profit is even more because you become now mature. Something that the, that the enemy thought to destroy you has become the very thing that caused you to get profit in your life. Think about that. Like, devil, you try to take me out, but instead all you did was make me richer. All you did was cause me to grow in my faith in God, and he has come through mightily, my family serving Jesus, and now you're getting profit from these very trials in which the, the enemy came to try to throw you off or in which God allowed in your life and you chose to follow God rather than the enemy, the world, or yourself. And so we move on. It says, yet God, I'm sorry about that. The battle is in our minds. Somebody say the battle is in our minds. And the devil desires to win the battle of the mind because he knows he can then cause us to be unstable in all areas of our lives. Let me tell you something. The moment you give this up to the enemy, you no longer are able to be stable in your life. The moment you give him this, you don't know if you want to go to church anymore. You don't know if you want to read the Bible anymore. I don't even know if I want to hang with Christians anymore. I don't even know what to do anymore. I don't even know if I want to get my diploma in high school anymore. I'm just tired. Of, I just want to do me. I'm just tired of all this stuff. You become unstable in all you're doing, in all your life. You can't make right decisions and, and, and basic things because your mind is double-minded. One minute, you don't know if you want chocolate. The next minute, you don't know if you want a milkshake. And you're like, dude, I can't even choose between two things. You're like, choose one. I don't know. Give me jelly beans. Like, what? No. Like, either or, we become unstable in all our ways. And that is, the, uh, that is the, the goal and the objective of the devil himself. Because an unstable Christian is a Christian who is no longer, who is no longer created, or not, not created, but connected to God in that sense. Because the Bible, as we learned last week, is that a double-minded man, unstable as all his ways, should not expect to receive anything from God. They cannot receive anything from God. Because one minute they believe God, the next minute who is God? And so God is saying, I can't even bless that person, not because I don't want to, but because they don't let me. And so that is the objective of the enemy, to get you by yourself to be double-minded in some sea just tossed to and fro by the waves, and you don't have no sense of direction in your life at all. 
Yet God desires, this is God desires now, God desires for us to be single-minded, right, and believing in his promise through faith that he has a purpose in the trials of life to get us to grow and become mature and complete, not lacking anything in our faith. That is God's desires. That is God's goals for our life. And so is your mind made up to serve and trust God no matter what? Is your mind made up? Or are you still today like, man, I don't even know. Sometimes I want to serve God. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I believe God. And sometimes I don't. And so the only way for us to move on, we must make up our minds and say, God, no matter what, I trust and believe in who you are and your word, your promises, and who you say you are, or who I am in you. And I choose to grow and become mature and complete in, in faith in God. And so we have to have minds made up. And even today. And so tonight we're going to move on now and, and actually apply how this looks like in regards to fighting this war and winning this, and winning this war in Jesus Christ. And so tonight we will begin continuing, we will be continuing our quest and discussion of the war within us according to James chapter 1 verse 9 and 11. Just three verses. That's all we're doing tonight is three verses. And so the sermon is called, called uh, Humility versus Humiliation. The war within us that is waged in our minds comes face to face. This is what we're going to be seeing now. It comes face to face with our very pride and self-dependency or reliance upon self. And so how do we win the war with the person called me? Think about that. How do we win the war against the person called me or with the person called me? Talking about yourself. We are our greatest enemy that refuses to practice humility, which means submissiveness, right? To submit, humility is to submit. Like, you know what? I submit. I hear what you're saying. I submit to what you're saying. When you guys go to school, your English teacher, your math teacher, right? You have to submit to their teaching and say, yes, what you're saying, the formula you did, I submit to that teaching. I learned it. I receive it. I apply it in my life. That's how I do algebra. You know what I mean? You have to submit to that. But you can be like, no, I don't care what you're talking about. I don't care if you're a teacher. You're wrong. Sometimes teachers are wrong. You got to correct them, right? That's what it is. Some of y'all real good in math. I'm not. Been there, done that, passed that, failed that. That's what it is. But the thing is, right? You have to submit to that individual's teaching. You have to believe that that math teacher is actually teaching you algebra and not teaching you, like, multiplication or something or some off-the-wall stuff. You have to submit to that in humility. And so humility means submissiveness. And then it leads to our ultimate, it says, uh, to ref uh, we are our greatest enemy that refuses to practice humility, which means submissiveness, and leads to our ultimate humiliation. Humiliation means embarrassment or shame. Because pride comes before the fall. Can I get that towel? Where's my wife at? Towel, can I get a towel from my forehead? Oh, I get nobody seen that. Nobody heard that. I got the towel right in my back pocket. So listen though. Let me read this again. We are our greatest enemy that refuses to practice humility, submissiveness, and leads to our ultimate humiliation, which means embarrassment and shame. Because pride comes before the fall. That's Proverbs 16, 18. And so the opposite of humility is pride. And we're not talking about pride or like rejoicing and things like that. We're talking about in Scripture. But it's a pride that leads to arrogance and sin. It's the same pride that the devil got kicked out of heaven for. That kind of pride. The pride that says, I'm God and you're not. And so we want to read now James chapter 1. Verse 9 through 11, if I can get that up there on the uh, karaoke screen. This is what it says. 
Believers in humble circumstances. Somebody say humble. Ought to take pride. Here goes that word, pride. In their high position, right? Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in, the high, in their high position. Verse 10, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation. You guys see the sermon title there? Humility, humble, and humiliation. It says, they will pass away like a wind, like a wild flower. Verse 11, for the sun rises with the scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. And so what we see here is two kinds of people that are in this, in this message or in these passages. One of them is the poor and the other one is the rich. Did you guys see that? Right? The humble, in, the humble circumstances, what James is talking about here is those believers that are literally poor. Mind you, when James was writing this letter, he was writing to people who were being persecuted. Their stuff were being taken away from them. They were being robbed. They were being killed. They were being martyred. All because they claimed to be Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. And so he continues to talk to these same Christians who were scattered all over the nation. And he said the poor and humble believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. And then he says the rich ought to take pride in their humiliation, embarrassment, and their shame. And so these two individuals break down the poor representing humility and the rich representing humiliation. And so the poor is the one who is humbled by their circumstances knowing that God is still in control. That is the poor person. Although he's, although he's poor, he lost everything, he's being persecuted, his family members are being killed, some of them are being beheaded, just like what's going on right now in the Middle East. Because you're a Christian, they're throwing grenades inside the, the churches, blowing up people, doing all type of massacres and all type of mass murdering against Christians right now. Right now it's happening. People are getting their heads cut off. Child, uh, children are being raped and killed right in front of their parents. Think about it. All because they chose to be Christians and follow Jesus, real Christians. And so the, the, the rich will look at those, those Christians like, look at these stupid Christians, these poor Christians, big dummies giving their life up for Jesus Christ. They got nothing, but yet they did not realize that they have everything because they have Jesus. And so he talks about that high position, and we'll get into that. And the rich, the humiliation of, uh, between the rich is the fact that in pride they become humiliated in the fact that the self they're in the self-dependent state that only lasts for a season only to have lost their soul by trying to gain this world. And Jesus said that in Matthew 16, 26, you try to gain the whole world, but yet you lose your very soul. And so what happens to the rich person? I want you guys to start thinking about the poor and the characteristics and attributes of a poor person in comparison to the characteristics and the attitudes and even the mindsets of a rich person. How do the two act? How do they compare? How do they contrast each other? Start thinking about this as we go on and we talk about the poor. And so the poor representing humility. It says rejoicing in their high position. The high position is one of being born again, a child of God. 
and called to the true riches and to be an heir of God. An heir meaning having inheritance with God. That means God's riches now belong to his children. They are co-heirs. It belongs to them now because of Jesus Christ. And the moment you become a child of God, born of God, born again, you are now through Jesus Christ partaking and have access to the full riches of God Almighty. And some of you guys are looking around like, dude, I don't see these riches. Because you're not looking with spiritual eyes. You're looking with natural eyes. And so you cannot see the riches of God because you're too busy trying to look at the riches of man and looking up to the riches of man rather than looking up to the God who who has all riches and owns everything, created everything, including yourself. And so we must be distinctive here when it comes down to the poor that they're able to rejoice in their high position because they belong to God. Matthew 5.3 says this. If you can put it up real fast. Blessed are the poor in spirit. This is Jesus talking. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That poor in spirit represents humility in spirit, humility in your heart. To be able to humble yourself to such a degree unto the Lord and accept all that God has for you, all that God says about you, and of course, all that God is. And so therefore, the Bible says, Jesus says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Individuals that are willing to become humbled under Jesus Christ. Is anybody out there humbled? And so taking pride, that word pride does not mean an arrogance to sin or arrogance like, look what I can do, I'm God and you're not. No, the definition of this pride right here means to rejoice or to have joy about something. The same kind that it talked about in verse 2 when it says, Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you find yourselves in trials of many kind. And so he is again reiterating the fact that you are able to consider your position joy. Some of you guys are looking around probably thinking, dude, how can I have joy if it's saying I'm supposed to be poor? And so we're going to talk about that as well. And so you're taking pride in that they belong to God, are rich in God and heaven bound, aimed at the eternal things of God and not the temporary things of this world. And so you see the difference again where it comes down to perspective of one's mind. One's mind. How do you look at things? For that matter, who do you look up to? See, we watch The View, right? How many people watch The View in here? Right? One person. Look at this. Eric's like, dude, that is gospel right there. The View, that's my thing right there. The View, right? Some people watch like Maury, right? I'm already tired of knowing like this dude is the father or not. Like, dude, move on from there. I want to know about the children now. Like, how are the children doing, right? So we watch Maury. We watch all these other shows. Name some shows you guys watch. Jerry Springer. Jerry Springer, what about you guys? Anybody else? Maury, I said more. Anybody what? Steve Wilco. This brother just said the Kardashians. Somebody pray for Joe B, right? Right? So we watch all these shows, but the thing is, what happens when we start watching these shows? Right? This actually said we start getting lazy, right? What? Crazy. We get cra- exactly. We get crazy, right? We see baby mama smack baby daddy like, bam! And after that, the test come out like, you are not the father. He's like, you just smack fire out of me. I'm not even your baby daddy. And there is the war happens, right? But what, what happens when we start seeing things like that? Right? TJ said it. What happens, TJ? You start becoming like that. You see Joe B over there talk about the Kardashians, right? 
Believe it or not, and whatever else girls show for the girls, I'm going to talk to the girls real fast. Whatever girls show you guys watch, eventually you try to be just like them. Right? You watch Disney. So she want to be like Cinderella and stuff. Like, dude, prom is coming up. I want that dress right there. And you see Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast like, ah. And then the dude's like, the, the Beast is like, well, girl, you want that dress. I want you to sing like her. And like, come on, let me hear them vocals. And you're like, well, I can't do that. I can't do that. You know what I mean? But the thing is, though, right, we start wanting to become like those very people. And you know what happens? We're never able to become like them because they don't even know who them is. And so we're looking at individuals that don't even know their own identity, let alone for you to try to get identity in them. But what happens is because you can never be like them, you begin to look at your life because you're not like them and you wonder what's going on with you. Right? Why am I looking at me, man? You start becoming depressed. You start becoming all type of mental issues and instabilities, low self-esteem, and all these other things begin to happen because you're looking up to a wrong person. Because there's something up with these individuals. Why are they constantly killing themselves? Why are they doing so many drugs? What do you think they're looking for? Think about it. They got all this money. What do you think they're looking for? Think about it, right? Somebody say happiness. What? Purpose? Purpose, right? Meaning? Joy, think about these things. They have all this money, but yet they can never get all these things. And the reason why they cannot find ultimate joy, stay married to one wife forever, you know what I mean? All these other things are what are fine, real love. The reason why they can't do that, because their riches would never, would never be able to buy something that can only come free and that from God. And so while you're trying to purchase something that they can't even purchase with actual money that they have, look to God and let him be your role model. Some of us are listening to music, and therefore that music begins to warp your mind. That you start, you know, that, that music come on, right? Like, let's say, uh, name a rapper, name a rapper. I should never even said that. I yeah, all this stuff, right? Okay, okay, we got this, right? Somebody said an F, right? I say Chief Keef, right? Y'all heard of Chief Keef, right? Chief Keef. Who else, right? I'm a bird. Not y'all naming songs. The thing is, right, I automatically said, listening to and said rappers, this whole side right here just got excited. Like, they were all down like, dude, Jesus, I got to be poor, humility. What about those rappers? Dude, this person, this person, Waka Flocka, all these dudes. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Somebody start juking and stuff. And it's like, dude, wait a minute. What is happening here? The reason being is because that's how powerful music is. It begins to wrap your mind on things that never, for one, it's not even true. But wrap around things in a fantasy that put in your head. That can never happen, but yet we are chasing after a fantasy that will never happen. It's a false fantasy. It's a false dream. It's a false perception. It's a false vision. And so I want you guys to think about this stuff as we keep going because that is the opposite of what a poor man does in Christ. A man that is filled with the humility that comes from God Almighty. And so the other attribute and component of the poor or the humility is the fact that their dependence is upon God. Their dependence is upon God. Their dependence is not upon the rapper, not upon the Hollywood, not upon anybody else. The poor, humility man, their full dependence comes and is from God. And so the thing is, I want you guys to start listening to this stuff because there's a war that comes behind these things. 
Their dependence is on God, who is on who God is and who God says they are, rather than on what the world says about them and, ho- and so receives true riches from God. You see, we have individuals here, man, that our dependence is not upon God. It's not. Because if it is, we would all have joy. If it is, we will all realize that we are rich and therefore don't need to follow these knuckleheads out here. We don't need to listen to that garbage. We don't need to draw off of what they're telling us who we are or who we're not because we know who we are based on who God says we are. And so our dependence must be upon God. That is the poor and the humility one. And the third one is able to receive from the Lord. This is a huge one. Able to receive from the Lord, the poor man. They are able to grow and become mature and complete in their faith and in the Lord and receive whatever is needed from the Lord during trials and times of testing, just like we learned last week. They were able to receive from God, but the double-minded man was not able to receive anything, just like the rich man. And so we have to remember that last week's sermon, this thing was written out. James didn't just pause like we paused last week, like, dude, we'll continue next week. No, he's writing a letter. He's writing to the people, and he's trying to give them an understanding or a perspective of what's going on so they can look and view things based on what God says rather than what your homie says up the street, rather than what those popular kids say inside your school, that the moment you get around them, you want to be just like those popular kids. And you know what happens? You dare not ever mention that you're poor. If anything, you attempt to assume that you're rich just like you think they are. And so I want us to look at that stuff because what happens is that many of us inside this room, because of peer pressure and the people we allow ourselves to be around, can never become poor in spirit because we're too busy trying to be rich inside this world with these people who are not rich themselves. Although they may have money. But yet they are poor. Poor. Physically. Poor. Spiritually. In the sense of not having the riches that only God can give. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience, sound mind, all these things. And so able to receive from the Lord. Look at the contrast with the rich person. Humiliation. They are brought low. It says they are humiliated during trials and storms because their riches cannot buy what only God can give freely, such as joy, love, peace, wisdom, eternity in heaven, only to realize that true riches come from God. You see, it's not a thing that, it's not a bad thing to become rich because we had a lot of rich people inside the Bible. Abraham, Solomon, right, with the richest man who ever lived. All these individuals, they were rich. They had things. But they didn't allow those riches to say, I need not of God anymore. I don't need God. I can buy everything. I know everything. I'm rich. I have it all together. And see, the thing is, we need to understand that just because you're rich doesn't mean you know everything. Just because you're rich doesn't mean you're going to heaven, obviously, right? Just because you're rich don't mean, right, that you can just own and buy everything. Because if that was the case that we talked about earlier, they would have joy, happy marriages, happy life, drug-free. I don't need drugs. I got joy of the Lord inside of me. I stay high off Jesus. Like, I don't need all these other things. But yet, they continue to look for that high that they will never find, man, because it only goes to a certain degree. While the man who is poor in the spirit, right, gets to enjoy their high position in God and stay as high as the kite, right, or higher than that. And so they are brought low. While the, the rejoicing in their high position comes to the poor, they are brought low, and that was comes to the rich man. 
And in so they are humiliated because in the end fact, when trials and tribulation come, let me tell you something. When their riches are gone, they begin to kill themselves. They have no identity. You take away their money, they are nobody anymore. There was never, there was never no joy from the get-go. But not only that, there was no longer no reason to live at all because they identified themselves with the riches or the bank account that they had or the money they had inside the bank. And so once you remove that, they are no longer able to live life. They begin to kill themselves and things like that happen. Why is that? Because only God can give what all of us here are looking for, and that only comes freely. And so the second one is, instead of being God-dependent, they are self-dependent. Think about a rich man. They rely upon their riches rather than upon God. I don't need God. You don't see all this money I got right here, man. I'm living the life right now, man. I don't need God. If I don't know nothing, I'll pay for it, and now I know it. So you can say, I know all things. I don't need God. I got all this stuff, man. And so they're opposite of the, of the poor person. They rely upon their riches rather than on God and unable to receive true riches and that from God. And the third one, they're unable to receive from the Lord. I want to spend some time on this one. Due to their pride and self-dependence of their riches, they cannot receive anything from the Lord. Remember to ask you that question, how do we win the war against a person called me? You see, because all these things, the rich man and the poor man, whether you're rich, you will realize real fast, if you're a child of God and become saved, is that you become humiliated in the sense of, although I'm rich, I can never buy what God only gives freely. I have to humble myself. I have to humble myself and become poor in order to become rich, and that in God. And what happens is that the war that happens with inside of us, that rage, that rages against us, is the fact that we're always standing in the way where only God or where God's supposed to be standing. And so what happens is God is constantly telling us, Kayla, Terion, and, and anybody else, you need to move out of the way. Step out of the way. Deal with yourself. Move out of the way so I can do what I need to do in your life so I can lead you the way you need to be led. So you can enjoy the riches and the blessings in which I can give you. But until you continue to remain in that spot and say, no, I want to be on what I want to be. I know what I know. I'm going to do what I do. I am rich in that sense. And God is telling you you're not rich at all. You're poor. You need to come. You need to come by from me. And so the thing is, we need to remove me from the equation and put me in the back seat and put God in the front seat. Let him drive this car called life because that is the only way we can truly become rich. But until then, I'm going to tell you what happens. We will remain humiliated by the decisions we make apart from God. You see, the thing inside this room, man, and even inside this world is that many of us think we're rich. And you may look around like, what do you mean, Pastor, man, I'm rich, man, I'm broke, then I don't know what, man, I'm trying to get these Jordans, man, I can't even do that, I got to get some felines, and like, it's, it's hard out here, right? Some of y'all even had the pimp in the end, like, dude, it's hard out here for a pimp, dude, I got about three girls, it's rough, right? Repent today, all right? But the thing is, check this out, right? We are rich in the sense of not finances. We are rich in the sense of pride. You see, when something goes on, the war happens. And instead of choosing and submitting to God, you choose rather to do it your own way. So what do you do? You hide a secret. 
right? Man, nobody's going to find this. I'm going to put it under here. I'm going to put it under the rug. They're just going to sit there or whatever. You commit a sin. You hide it or whatever. No, I'm not going to do that. You know, it's going to do me. And God is calling you to repent. Turn from this. You know, let me expose this. Let me put that out or whatever. Let me cover this with the blood of Jesus. And you're like, no, I got this. And what happens in the end? You end up humiliated. You end up shamed and embarrassed because now that very thing that you were trying to hide for months has come out. And now you're like, oh, I should have chose God. I should have chose God. I should have humbled myself. Instead, you rather, you rather be just prideful and you were humiliated by God. And so what does this mean for the war within us? This is what it means. We must become poor in order to become rich. Listen to this. An application, we can apply it to our lives, the, the poor and the rich. What, what is God trying to tell us here? We are our greatest enemy. Rather than be poor in spirit through humility and submit ourselves to what God calls us to do, we assume to be rich and assume to know all things are better than God. And so we rely upon our riches of personal knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that only leads to humiliation and worse off than before. And you guys know what I'm talking about. You end up doing one thing and you said one lie. Now you got to cover that lie with another lie and another lie and another lie. Now you forgot the second lie you get over here. Your mama's smart. She realizes that. Now she jumps to the second lie like, wait a minute. I thought you went to the store, but now you're saying here that you actually did this. Which one is true? Well, uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know. And then you get caught up with that lie. You know what happens? In the end, you become humiliated. You become shamed and embarrassed. Because rather than humble yourself under God and allow God to deal with you in your life through the trials he brings in your life, you said, no, I'd rather do it my own way. And so your own way only led to humiliation. So when you continue to do things apart from God and on your own, the Bible says anything that you sow to the flesh, you would reap destruction. And that's exactly what happens. We do things our way instead of God's way, thinking, God, I'm just going to help you out. We even use that as an excuse. God, I'm going to help you out. I got this, Lord. Look, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And in the end, you make things worse than it was in the beginning. And after that, you got to come to God or come to, to, to Pastor Steve like, man, dude, like, I was messing with this one girl, and, and do I try to leave it alone, man? Then this other girl came, and I ended up falling off, and I heard God just saying, leave it all alone. Just have a relationship with him. And instead, I fell off. I had sex with a girl. And Steve, I got to tell you something, man. I, man, I got the girl pregnant, man. And you're sitting there looking down with your head down, and now you're humiliated because you're 15 years old, and you just got somebody else pregnant. Because you didn't want to humble yourself and become poor in spirit and do things God's way, and instead you did it your way. And so the thing is, we must understand that we need to become poor in spirit and humble ourselves to appreciate God's riches for and in our lives. It starts with humility. Does that mean that we lie and say, man, this stuff doesn't hurt? Does that mean when we were in trials and tribulations, like we just lie, like, dude, I'm good. I, dude, I have the joy of the Lord. Dude, I'm, I got peace and I'm cool. I'm, I'm decent. But deep down inside, you know you're hurting? No. You admit the fact that, dude, I'm going through some rough times right now. But yet I'm choosing God. And because of that, man, I still have joy because I trust that God is in control. And so the war comes because yourself. You see, every, every human being in here, this flesh, has a tendency to be self-sufficient, self-dependent. Meaning, I always want to do my thing. I always want to do me. I want to depend upon me. I don't want to depend on nobody else. I want to be independent. 
I don't want to depend on God. I'm a grown man. I want to do me. I want to get my own money. I want to do, I want to have my own things. I, I don't want to wait on God. I just want to do these things, and I want to do these things now. And there's a tendency to do you, but that only leads to destruction, family. That is all it leads to because our greatest enemy is the one we look at in the mirror. That is the one telling you, man, dude, you, you're good. You got this. You got this, man. Just do it on your own. You don't need God, man. Handle this one on your own. And we start sending ourselves off, and we start realizing that our grades begin to fall because all we're doing is sinning. We start to realize that we're not on the honor roll anymore. We're not doing good in school. Why does my parent got to come up here now? Where did all this start from? It started from you operating in pride rather than humility. And so we have our minds all jacked up. The second one is we are self-dependent. Rather than depend on God, we depend on our own means to get through trials or times of the world to provide a way out. We go to the world to provide a way out rather than trust God that he has already made a way out for us. And so we need to become poor in spirit in order to become God-dependent. You see, a lot of these trials that we're in, like we talked about last week, right? You may be wondering, why am I going through this? And we ask God for wisdom, right, as we, we learned last week. And you're wondering, right, why, why, why is my marriage like this? Or, man, why, why am I going through this in life? And why am I so depressed? And what's happening here, you know? And that whole time, we can blame God, we can blame your parents, you can blame your brother, your sister, you can blame, uh, blame the weather, whatever to make a difference. But in the end, it's because we choose our own way rather than humble ourselves to God. We choose our own way. And see, God created his things, and the reason why he created them is because he's trying to get us to depend on him. See, the war comes when we want to be self-dependent, but at the same time, God is saying, son, daughter, depend on me. I have already made a way out. Yes, it may not be right now because I'm trying to build up your perseverance. I'm trying to build up your faith. I'm trying to get you to grow and become mature and complete in God Almighty. I'm trying to do this in your life so you can profit, but which you must depend upon me and get you out of the way because we are our greatest enemy. And so we have to choose, are we going to be, are we going to practice humility or are we going to allow ourselves to continue to go through humiliation, shame, and embarrassment? The choice is ours, but yet the battle will continue to wage and we need to stand upon the word of God and depend upon God himself. And lastly, we block ourselves from receiving from God. We do that. You may be coming in here like, man, like, man, Steve, I prayed, man, I asked God, and he didn't say nothing. Or I asked him to do this, and he didn't do it. It's like, well, why are you thinking? I don't know. I, I don't know. But then you start prying in the person's life and ask him, do well, what have you been doing since then? Well, dude, I, you know, I went on ahead, and I, I tried to get a job, dude, and you know what I mean? I've been doing that, and I've been real busy. I'm like, well, dude, you haven't, you haven't been here on Fridays, man. What happened, dude? Is, well, I'm working, dude, full time, and I'm even working on Fridays now, and, you know, I'm getting this little money, but still, I still got drama in my life, and, and you know, it's all about me. I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and, and I'm trying to do this, and I'm in these sports, and I'm in football, baseball. Dude, I'm, I'm doing everything just to try to get out the house, and, and the whole time, you never said, I'm praying. I'm waiting on God. I'm depending on God. And yet, when you realize, when you re well, not that you realize, but... When you start looking at things, you realize yourself that the whole time it hasn't been about God. It's been about you. It's been about the big old me, 
our greatest enemy, who just wants to sin, who just wants to operate in the flesh. It cares nothing about God. This body, this flesh, if I can get everybody's attention, does not care about the things of God at all. And that is why we have a war that wages, rages, wages, whatever, within us. It's because the body doesn't want to do the things of God, just like God doesn't want to do the things of this body. And so they have a war going on between the two, where God is saying, depend on me, and yourself is saying, depend on me. Me, me, myself, and I. We don't need God. We do this ourselves. And you end up humiliated by broken hearts or breaking somebody else's heart and name whatever else you're going through. And so the answer to this, because we block ourselves from receiving God, we stand in the way of receiving from God because of assuming to be rich and denying our need of God in our lives only to be humiliated by our lack of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And so we need to become poor in spirit and acknowledging our need of God and his help. That is what we need to do. That is what we must do. You want God to bless you. You want God to answer your prayers. You want God to do all the things that we've been talking about for weeks and months on end. Remove yourself out of the equation. Stop being about I and start being about G-O-D. Forget the I and be about God. Because that's how we're able to receive from God himself. The rich man receives nothing from God, just like the double-minded man can receive nothing from God. But when we hum ourselves in the spirit and we say, God, all these things are happening, Lord. I look at the rich man and it seems like he's doing pretty well. But yet, in reality, in spirit, he is not doing good at all. He has no joy, no nothing. And so what we're called to do, just as the Bible is saying, is to become humble in all circumstances and say, God, my reliance is upon you. I don't know what to do, God. I don't know why this thing is happening in my family's life. I don't know what's going on with my mother and my father. They're talking about divorce. They're doing this. They're doing that. But, God, my trust is in you, God. My trust is in you, and I will become poor so that I can become rich in you, Jesus. And see, right now, many of you guys are trying to be rich in this world by thinking you know all things. I'm 14 years old, 15 years old. I know everything. Shut up. You don't know nothing. You don't even know the, the, the latest Chief Keep song. Like, dude, shut up. Shut up. You don't even know this. You don't, dude, shut up. You don't, know, you don't even know what joy is. You don't even know what love is. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. It was his birthday. I bought him his favorite gummy bears. That's love. Like, what? What's, come on, man. So the thing is, I'm telling you, family, we need to humble ourselves and acknowledge God in all our ways. If we could all stand right now. How do we defeat the me that wars within me to be heard? Listen to what the me wants to do. The me wants to be heard. It wants to be sought after. It wants to be depended upon. How do we defeat that me that's inside of us, the me that continues to war against the things that we want to do in God or that God wants to do in us? By practicing humility and submitting ourselves to the high position God has placed us in Jesus Christ as his children and riches he has given us that money cannot buy. Listen to this, listen to this verse. This is Paul speaking right here in Philippians 3.7. But whatever were gains to me, Paul, man of God, wrote, he wrote 13 letters in the New Testament. This is what he said. A man was brilliant, smart, raised up, had all type of stuff. Riches in that day, as you can say, riches. And this is what he said. 
But whatever were gains to me, talking about his riches, I now consider a loss for sake for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. He said he considers his riches garbage so that he can gain Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? He was rich, but he knew in order to be truly rich, I must become poor so that I can be rich. See, in this place, you must admit the fact that you don't know all things. You can't do all things, and you're not everywhere. You're not God. And see, God wants to do things in your life, but he can't do them because you're too busy trying to be him, trying to be God. I'm God, Lord. I don't need you. I'm my own God. And God is saying, no, it don't work like that. And so I want to ask you guys a question as we open up this altar. Are you at war? Are you at war with yourself? And tired of being humiliated by refusing to humble yourself unto Jesus. Is that you? You know there's a war going on, and you every time you want to try to do good, you want to try to depend on God and just live this life that God has called you to live as a believer and son and child of God or daughter of God. But yet the war keep on happening, and you keep on choosing the me instead of the G-O-D. And it constantly happens. If that's you, then I say come and deny yourself and declare your dependency on the Lord once and for all in full faith. And receive from the Lord all that you need to live a life that he has called you to live through Jesus. With all every heavy head by the eyes closed. We all go to this war. Where the me tries to be greater than God. Where it's all about me, we have a heart condition that's jacked up. We can't truly serve God because we're so busy trying to be about our own agenda. We can't really become servants of all because we're trying to still serve us above all. And God is saying, will you deny yourself and pick up my cross and follow after me? Will you depend upon me? Will you trust me during the storms that you're going through right now, whether it be in your marriage, whether it be at school, whether it be with your family, whether it be the, the struggle that you're having in your life right now? God is saying, will you trust me? Will you allow me to save you? Will you allow me to make you rich? If that's you, I want to invite you to come up and get some prayer. Deal with it with you and God. This altar time, what this means, it's not, like a, it's not just like, oh, you're going to you know, uh, grow wings and start flying and stuff and drinking Red Bulls and all of the craziness. No, this time right here at the altar is between you and your Creator. It's between you and the Savior. It's a time to say, God, I submit myself on my knees. And, Lord, I deny myself. I deny myself so that I can enjoy the riches you have for my life, God. So that I can see things the way you see them. So I can think about things the way you think about. So I can have victory just like you always have victory. You want to give me, give me victory. Jesus said, you are not worthy to be my disciple if you do not lay down your life and pick up your cross and follow after me. 
You see, many of us in here want to be Christians. I believe deep down inside, you want to be Christians. You want to serve God and live for God. But the one thing that stops you is just me. It's the me, myself, and I. And the only way for God to truly work in your life, you must deny yourself and deny the big me and honor God. This altar is open for each and every one of us. If you need prayer, come up. If you're a leader and you need prayer, come up. Whoever you are, come deal with the one you look at the mirror every day. Some of you guys hate yourself. And God, I love you. And my love can help you love yourself so you can love others, and especially love God. Whatever your issue is, the altar is open. Father, in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, this week, God, has been a very, very tough week for me, God. Lord, the war, the war within me, God, has it's been a battle, Lord, God. But yet, I choose to trust in you, God. But yet, God, I choose to deny myself and say, God, you are in control. And I believe you can do it, God, and you can give me victory, God. I choose rather to be poor than to be rich in spirit, God. Or rich in this world, I should say, God, but to be poor so that I can receive from you, God. So that I can be dependent upon you rather than dependent upon this world, upon myself, or anybody else, God. But to be dependent upon you, God. And I ask, Father God, for strength, God. I ask, God, that you would help me, God, to put to death the me, God, so that I can live for you, God. Your Bible says, God, that I no longer belong to myself, God. I've been purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that I belong to you, God. Help me now to live for you at all times, in all circumstances, in all trials, in all tribulations, God, in all persecutions, God. Even though I'm the only one standing for you then, God. Though a thousand may fall on my left, ten thousand on my right, God, that I would focus on you and trust in you no matter what, God. Help me, Lord. Help me, God, to keep my eyes on you, Jesus. To not operate in pride, God, and think I know it all or think I can do it on my own, but, God, to humble myself and trust in you, Lord. And in the riches in which you have given me, God, to hold them dear, the riches of joy, the riches of real love, the riches of peace, Lord, self-control, God. Hallelujah, God. I ask, Lord, you would have your way in the name of Jesus, God. And, Lord, I pray for each and every person here, God, that's standing here, whether they came to the front or sitting in their seats, God, in the name of Jesus. I ask that you will deal with their hearts, God. And whatever they think that they're rich in, that stands between you and them, God, that they will give up those riches, God.